Clay as we get to a very infamous or famous episode of Star Trek Voyager Threshold. I wanted to open this up with a little bit of memory alpha trivia. So in how many episodes prior to this outside of the pilot episode, so ignore Caretaker, Mm -hmm. how many times in these one and a half seasons has Voyager been given the ability to get home much faster than conventional warp drive? Um, They've all failed, obviously, because we're still right. here. Right. Four. Yeah, that's right. This is the fifth time. Boom. Yep. Boom. Eye of the Needle, Prime Factors, the 37s, and Cold Fire were the prior that examples. Was, that was all stored knowledge and definitely not a shot in the dark. You're, you're, absor- you're absorbing all this. It's just Voyager is going to become your series, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, so we're here with Threshold. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. We've been covering Lower Decks on the Patreon. If you're interested in that, the third season of Lower Decks, so it's patreon.com slash thepenskaval. If you want to go there, support the show, you get to hear some hot takes or cold takes at this point about the animated series that we we somewhat enjoy, I suppose, to go right there, right as it needs to be said. So let's get into Threshold. This one is, oh no, I'm all the way at the bottom of the window. There we go. This one is the 15th episode of the second season. Came out on the 29th of January, 1996. The teleplay goes to Brendan Braga. Story credit goes to Michael DeLuca. Directed by Alexander Singer. In universe date 49373.4, which is 2372. In Threshold, a specifically outfitted warp-capable shuttlecraft piloted by Tom Paris successfully reaches warp 10, breaking the transwarp barrier. But the side effects of breaking the barrier may cost the crew of Voyager their best helmsman. I (laughs) have a question. Sure. Do you think that this episode ended up the way Brandon Braga saw it in his head when he came up with it? (laughs) I know it's not, although I have have specific examples that I think will be interesting to get into. But... um, Imagine if it did, if this was exactly it's like this came out perfect. That's the memory alpha quote from Brandon Braga. I don't know what sort of <laughs> mid 90s EDM grade ecstasy and PCP he was on, <laughs> but who boy. So, Threshold is pretty infamous. Uh, I think this is I think this is fair to say our first famous episode of Voyager that we've gotten to because Threshold is one that's always mm. brought up um, as a bad example. I was browsing the worst episode Star Trek blogosphere, and Threshold is on probably 90% of the lists that I came across, um, like across all the series in the top 10. Oh, sure, sure. Um, well, as we know from the three amigos, infamous means more than famous. That's right. So, in- Inflammable and infamous. Uh yeah, so it's got this reputation to go along with it. It's generally heralded as one of the stupidest and strangest and um, dumb episodes. I think I would open it up by saying all of this can be true, and it's just going to be one of those things that we run across all the time. But I don't think you're ever going to forget Threshold in a way that you forget <laughs> some of the other ones on our scale. Like I was looking at some of the ones that we've listed as ones, uh, things like um, Resurrection, in DS9, which I remember being terrible. It's the one where Mirror uh, Burial, Mirror Universe Burial comes over and talks oh, to Kira. Oh, sure, sure. I remember it being terrible and us hating it and we ripped it apart, but I don't remember anything about that episode besides that fact that Burial comes back from the Mirror Universe. I don't know what his point of view is. I don't know what happens, but I just remember it being terrible. I don't think you're going to forget Threshold, though, because 
and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and then I'll let you talk. Um, I, I'm not a big David Lynch fan, and I've I've seen a few things, but I have not seen Lynch's entire uh, portfolio of filmmaking. I feel that this episode is somewhat Lynchian, though, in a lot of interesting ways, and it's hmm. at least memorable to me. It and I. I can kind of see what they were trying to do, but it all falls apart in this really kind of neat way. That's like, it's not boring. And there's like, there's no, just it fades off and it dies by itself. But I think there are some really weird tone stuff. There's really weird character angles that they're trying to get to. And then it all ends up in this place where you could probably write a a PhD dissertation about what you think this is supposed to be about by the end of it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I would not say this is Lynchian. Okay, I w- I would say it's more Cronenbergian. Sure, yeah. Because the first half of this is essentially just the fly. That, that's that's fair. I guess I guess that's fair. I guess I'm leaning into the what does it all mean aspect. Feels Lynchian in a way that Cronenberg doesn't usually. Cronenberg's usually pretty clear about what he's talking about. Sure. Yeah. I <laughs> I would. <laughs> I I would say if this is Lynchian, this is like a the most surface level uh, example yep. of Lynchian you could possibly have because sure. uh, I, I don't really know if they're saying anything important or trying to. Mm-hmm. Um, it is so I would I would say that while I don't um, disagree with anything you've said up to this point, I would say that I think this is probably. One rewrite away and probably a modern TV budget away from actually being a pretty interesting episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just cannot. It's close. It tries desperately. For It tries, but it's so <laughs> punching above its weight as far as like uh, the, the stuff it's trying to do with Paris and this idea of, you know... Uh, basically turning him into Dr. Manhattan for for a little bit. Yeah, well, even before then, what I think is kind of interesting about it is that I, I think this is an episode that is one of those, it gets progressively worse as it goes along until the very yeah. end when it's bad. But yeah. I feel it opens star, like even before Paris gets his Dr. Manhattan, uh, I've been everywhere and I can see everything powers. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the idea, like I like this idea of trying to flesh out Paris as someone who he's trying to like create a version of himself that everyone will respect like he's trying to make his mark in history and his yeah his father yeah. was disappointed in him and he's like his whole life has been a disappointment so please let me do this one thing because if i do this i'll be able to live amongst the gods basically for the rest of time like i'll be listed with cochran and all the other scientists that they list off at this point mm-hmm. I, I even think that the the conversation he has with janeway at the very start when she's like you have a two percent chance of having a stroke, which is laughable. Um, and he's like, "You got to let me do it." I even think that scene is pretty good, all things considered. You know, it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that stuff, and I think that they're, I think what they're trying to do, if anything, feels like a commentary on that story, which to me feels very much like the story of Icarus, which is that if you fly too close to the sun, you get burned. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and they go weird places, but I I think at its core, that's kind of an, a neat. Star Trek story to do at least while they started here. Yeah. Well, I was going to say this actually, I think, feels closer to like a TOS episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only difference is in the TOS version, it's not a main cast member who does all this stuff. Right. And then he dies at the end. Right. Yep. 
Yes. And that's probably the more interesting and frankly realistic for, if I can use that least, word. Yeah. yeah. If it's a forgivable way to do it here if you never had to see Paris and Janeway again. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think there's a version where Paris does get bumped from the 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 flight mm-hmm. and somebody else does it and gets to go through this whole horrible thing and then, you know, you can make some parable about uh i don't know something about ego or whatever yeah um watching this other person first turn into this like all-seeing god thing but then it eats him eats him alive from the inside and he turns into this weird thing um but there's also the aversion where it is paris he does this and it actually does fundamentally change him in a way that sticks not necessarily physically, but, you know, like I was wondering, not knowing what this episode was about, uh, when they turned him into a Time Lord there for a second by giving him two hearts, I was thinking like, oh, I mean, this is kind of interesting if they're doing like a 2001 kind of thing where he's he dies and then he becomes like this new entity. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like that's pretty interesting, uh, especially from Paris's angle where he does, he is looking for a, a, a reason to, to exist and like to do something great. And he does, he becomes this, uh, the first thing I thought of was like in, in the motion picture when, um, the bald, the bald lady gets turned into the V'ger. Right. Yep. Cypher or whatever, like yep. that kind of thing where he becomes this new creature. Like that would, that would be kind of interesting if they, they just, you know, change his character around like that, but obviously they're not going to do that. Uh, so they did something <laughs> a lot <laughs> <laughs> a lot more uh, narratively efficient by um, mutating every cell in his body until he turned into a weird salamander catfish. Yep. And then uh, quick fix, apparently. Bring him yes. back up to the ship, pump him full of original DNA or some shit, and he's <laughs> he's back to normal in, in, I assume, 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah, with no, no ill effect, it seems. And I yeah. don't know if they remember it or whatever it is. Yeah, I... Um See, I, I think that at, at its core, what I what I think feels maybe, and maybe it's just a bad un- misunderstanding of Lynch, or if you want to say it's Cronenberg, is that I do feel that there is a Tom Paris story of trying desperately to... It, the moral of the story is like trying desperately to get what you want might have bad outcomes for you. Like you, sure, you can't predict sure. where that's going to be. And... I mean, just to to go into what Braga was thinking, if you thought that Braga nailed the script, he was concerned that apparently they cut out an ending scene where they explained that evolution is sometimes a devolution. Like, evolution is not necessarily moving you towards a higher kind of being where you're sure. more intelligent. Evolution sure. is just a survival uh, mechanism where you're going to fit your right. whatever needs you to survive and potentially humans could de-evolve through evolution into like a these salamander creatures and that was his, right. yeah. that was kind of his point I guess which doesn't really fit thematically with the rest of it unless you want to say that there are like unintended consequences to things which does fit I think the story that they're trying to go for um, but they cut that all out and it even ends up being confusing because there's a line where they're like they've evolved I think they even say they've like evolved into a higher being. And then you see these things and you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Like, how is, how is this, how is this the end run of where we need to be? But I, um, like, I like your TOS idea about if it's a guest character, you can kill him off this way. And it is the Icarus story. 
because he falls from right. the sky and drowns in the ocean. And that makes sense. And I mean, now we can just get into the ending. The, the, the only reason this is really a colossal failure to me as an episode and uh, the, re- the reason that it ultimately doesn't make any sense is that, and maybe this is why I keep coming back to Lynch, the ending scene with Janeway in Paris feels like they have not, feels like we've seen something different than what they are talking about has happened to them. At that point, you mean you mean how the last moment of the show is Janeway going? Did you ever consider it was me that wanted to fuck? <laughs> She's. It's just so strange. It's 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 yeah. it's this disconnect between what we just saw and how they have to wrap it up and to have the characters talk about well, it in, mean, a, in a way. Imagine having to wrap this up. I know. Like, yeah, that's just. The, like, <laughs> I, like, I almost feel like Brandon Braga got to the salamander part and was like, you know what? I've taken this as far as I can go. We got a writer's room here. Let's put them to work. <laughs> this, is, this has got series finale written all over it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but, you know, he can't close it. Yeah, and I think the evolution thing is interesting. But again, I do think it it, it becomes more interesting if it is from a point of view of a character who is who what they want is to evolve and like that's not what paris wants he doesn't like he's he starts thinking that way only because like he's turned into a goop monster and for some reason that makes him go crazy but i think you can thematically tie it in that him him trying to become larger than life is represented through this becoming a higher being thing you know like sure he's transcending just being famous for doing this and actually like becoming a greater person because of it. I thought that that's right, what they were trying right. to go for. And that is an interesting idea. I, I do think that it's just really tough to tell that story with a character who comes back next week. Right. You Icarus know? dies. Because yeah, in my exactly. Example. Icarus, yeah. Icarus dies. Yeah. He doesn't get caught out of the air by his father. Right. And, and they just, just go, go like, you know what? <laughs> that was close. Yeah. Did you ever consider that it was me that wanted to fuck son? <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but like I think I think the 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 way that this would usually go is maybe Paris doesn't get bumped because of a medical thing, but maybe there's another person on that team who just like prevents him from getting on the ship. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know, turns his clock back an hour or something, and uh, and takes this thing because this other guy wants the glory. And then when you get into this evolutionary thing, when he starts barking about you know evolving i do think what you're saying is interesting and true where when you get into evolution you know the way evolution is portrayed in popular culture is this idea that every new version is somehow better than the last like which i think is from you know at least in nerd culture probably from 70 years of the x-men yeah (laughs) assuming that the next step in human evolution is laser eyes star, star, star trek too because star trek always assumes trek that every, too, yeah. every time a species evolves it's to become like an energy being you know that can like yeah. travel the galaxy yeah. yeah you know apocalypse's whole thing is survival of the fittest and all yeah. this kind of shit yeah. but like uh, sur- what survival of survival of the fittest doesn't mean the biggest and the strongest and the one who can run the farthest is, it wins it means like if all of a sudden not having thumbs means you survive better, then people are going to stop having thumbs. Right. Yep. You know, like, so it doesn't, it's not an, an upward trajectory. It's basically, it's like a river. It's, it's just getting into whatever crevice it needs to keep going. Yes. And yep. so to have a character who is dying for um, esteem and to, to become something great and then get this 
realization that, oh, that's not necessarily what's going to go on. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. But I don't think you can do it with a character like Paris who comes back because you get into this situation where he, like legitimately when he kidnapped Janeway and brought her onto the ship and they went warp 10, I, I said to myself, I have no fucking idea how this is going to end. Because <laughs> there's only three minutes left at that point in the yeah. episode. Yeah. And like, you know, they cut they cut to the ship being like, it's been three days and we finally found the ship. And I was like, are they really going to mutate yep. the captain of the ship? And then they go down to this planet and they find these two slug people. And it's just like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> well, before we even get to the the slug people, see, I one thing I really like about this episode and that, again, it just makes me feel like those other two directors is that that there's a strange disturbing creepiness to that scene where they're like we found the shuttle three days later you're like what the hell like right. what have they been doing like what is this going to look like when they get down there it's really the early parts of this episode are are braga's clear interest like from this and early voyager and into enterprise he has a very strong interest in like um body horror psychologically disturbing stuff that seems to be like one of his angles that he likes to go for sure and I'm all for it. And I think that occasionally in this yeah, episode, they, they even managed to do it somewhat. It has this tone of somberness and like, you know, something is going to go wrong just because of the way that they're like the, the scenes are shot and what they're talking about. But then you get to the three days later and it comes down to these slug creatures. And then the slug creatures just keep hitting you with stuff. They're like, they also had babies for no particular reason. That doesn't fit anything. That doesn't fit Very any story. Cool. Very quickly. Very quickly. Because you got to think how long it took. It took Paris four days to turn into one of those things. Mm -hmm. So there's like a period of time where he's already turned into one. And Janeway is like almost there, I guess. Yes. Just look, looking down through her one weird salamander eye at whatever <laughs> this thing is. And then somehow in the amount of time between when she finally does mutate and Voyager shows up, they manage to procreate five little salamander babies. Yep. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe it's all, maybe it's all sped up because of warp you know, 10. the warp 10, but he's, he's been everywhere. <laughs> Literally. Hmm. Um, they shoot him with a phaser. If they stun them, which I think is always very funny when they stun them with the phaser, uh, the babies swim away. And then they, then they talk about all that stuff that's happened to them. But I, 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 I feel like we, we can get back to the ending, I think, because it's the strangest part. But even early, I know they, that they don't do this, but the tone of the episode itself is making me strongly feel that when he gets to warp 10, there's going to be some kind of like Lovecraftian event horizon thing right. that he sees because it's yeah. played as if this is like, what the hell? Where did he go? Like, what happened to him? And it's creepy and weird. And you kind of get that sense through his, you know, he's falling apart, has that pretty neat scene where his tongue falls out and he like holds his tongue up and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but even there, I think an example, and then you can go off of what you liked the scene after he has his tongue fall off. It immediately, I think there's a commercial break and it cuts back to him sitting on the floor and the doctor and Kess talking to him like nothing has happened at that yes. point. And it's yes. this weird j jump because I think the doctor even says a joke to him in, in context about like, you know, he's going to get to him soon, Mr. Paris or whatever. And so they, they can't even maintain that weird, scary, unsettling tone for too long, unfortunately. 
Yeah, like there's a lot of that stuff going on. Like even the warp ten sequence is kind of weird in that way because you know he's going he's like warp nine, warp nine point five, <laughs> warp nine point nine, point nine point nine seven, and then it's just like yep, warp ten, warp ten, did it. All right, I guess. <laughs> what did cool. you? Warp ten is controversial in nerd circles. What, what did you oh, think? Really? Of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, court controversial for for what reason? Well, the way that they describe warp ten, or the fact that they actually hit warp ten. No, they describe it in the way that Roddenberry originally described it. Apparently, so Roddenberry oh, really? always said that the ultimate rule is that no ship can get to warp ten because if you do, your ship will occupy every spot of the universe simultaneously. So you'll be everywhere. And Voyager brings that up. The people are kind of upset that the show made them hit that mark. They sort of broke a rule like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me, really. Um, and I think that the the outcome is catastrophic enough where you'd see why they would never do it again. <laughs> like they, they, sure. It's not they just abandon it. I think that it has a, g- a good enough outcome to really inhibit it. But I don't find it troubling to me. Uh you know, another another sort of strange criticism, and then you can go is the uh, people say that the, it's a prime directive violation to for the fish people at the very end to leave the babies on the planet. I disagree about that too. It's all nitpicky stuff that I don't really think is uh, peculiar. I was just wondering if you did. Um, well, my first thought was uh, I was wondering if they've done anything with it since then. Like my first thought was, do they have? Are they? Are they? Is everybody at warp ten now? In like discovery in the future can they go warp 10 or is this just no. like <clears throat> this is a threshold that they've never crossed this again? A, never been crossed again because discovery does something different and this is just different An- another one here is like they they never actually in this episode solve how to get off at the point that you want to get off at warp 10 although they sure. never explain how yeah. paris gets back to where he wants to be either so who knows well yeah i mean he says basically he just thought about it yeah right? he thought about it yeah so it's it's not entirely dissimilar to the the spore drive where oh, doesn't sure. stam- doesn't Stamets just get plugged in and you get just think about where yeah, he wants to go. <laughs> it's like Nightcrawler teleporting. You just have to imagine where you've been or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um I so my thought is I don't mind so much that they did it, but honestly, I think it might have made a uh a uh, a better movie, honestly. This, like I think, oh okay, yeah. The the idea of pushing to warp ten, hitting it, and then something going horribly wrong, I think, would be kind of an interesting movie idea. Yeah, um, which I think would would afford it a bigger uh, canvas and more more money to actualize whatever it is that they wanted to do. Um, Can only be horror, right? Is, is I, I, yeah. I have trouble imagining anything other than basically what the bones of this episode are saying about getting that fast. Yeah, I mean, I think it has a lot of potential as a really creepy cosmic horror thing. And, like, that's kind of what I was hoping for yeah. when when it came back. When when Paris showed up, I was like, I mean, there's so many so much potential for, like, what did he see did when he, he see? crossed over? Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> is did he split dimensions or something? Like, this? I think there's a lot of cool stuff that they could have done. Um but it's actually kind of funny that it goes the way it does because when the show started, I, I mentioned that um, – what is the actor's name who plays Tom Paris? Uh, Robert McNeil. Robert McNeil has big uh, jo- – uh, what's his name? Uh, Bruce Davison energy. Mm-hmm. And this reminded me a lot of Bruce Davison in X-Men when he turns into the big puddle monster. 
<laughs> After Magneto puts him through the mutant machine. Yeah. Which, yep. in retrospect, I really I can't believe that was an idea that they that made it to the film. But <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't, uh, didn't work out much much differently here, I suppose. Anybody, any of anybody, but Ian McKellen. That yep. that idea does not fly whatsoever. <laughs> you need a you need the greatest Shakespearean actor living to to deliver this, that dialogue. <laughs> Turn it's, Bruce Davison into a, a giant jellyfish, man. There's an effective pitch uh, made to Sir Ian. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I could see it being a movie. I um, like I think I honestly I think if you did a movie. You also could; it would be probably controversial, but I think you could do it with one of the the main cast members, if if you're like willing sure. to sacrifice somebody. Oh, know? sure, yeah, sure, yeah. If you want to go to the uh, the final edge there, yeah. But like, if I were to rewrite the episode, I would I would ha- instead of um, Paris going on the the thing, I would have uh, the shifty Marquis guy who's backdooring it with the Kazon be the one who takes the flight, right. You know, because yes. like that, yeah. I, that's a I weird can't imagine, serial story that's yeah. continuing. Yeah, I can't imagine whatever they're doing with him is going to pay off in a way I, I enjoy. But <laughs> is it because you don't even know that character's name at this point? He's just ensign in yeah. the back, giving shifty glances whenever people are talking about something. Yeah, and I, you know, again, it's all spatial awareness stuff too. It's like they were flying; the, the, the ship has been flying in one direction at warp nine point five for yeah. like a, a decent clip. Which does how long does it take you to get out of Kazon space? Yep. Also, you know, but, the the Kazon have been portrayed as like, you know, scavengers of other ships, and that they're not great builders. But this guy's like warp ten. You can't reach warp ten. It's right. theoretically yeah. impossible. It's <laughs> yeah. like what the fuck? Why does yeah, it- like if if they had done so, um, if they had that guy on the team that was like working on this stuff, and then. Uh, you have the the opening sequence where uh, Paris is in the holodeck and it doesn't work, and then they're talking about it, and then they kind of figure out what's going on. Um, if you had the 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 backdoor channel scene then, yeah, and have the guy go, listen, uh, they've discovered warp ten, and the Kazon guy's like, I need all the information you can get on that. And he's like, all right, well, okay, I'll make sure I'm the one on the flight. Mm-hmm. And so then he stops Paris from getting on the flight. This guy gets on it. And he, you know, goes into the nether realm or whatever. Like that yeah. way, I think it plays out a little bit smoother. Yep. Um, I probably don't end it with him kidnapping and <laughs> mating with the captain. <laughs> he can just dissolve into a puddle monster, a puddle mutant at that point. Yeah. 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 Or something, you know, do something weird. But yeah, I, I like that because I, I think that if you do that and you make it that guest character, you can still have Paris learn his lesson vicariously, you know, like, sure. yeah. because he can. He can have his grandiose dreams of becoming the next big thing and then have it stolen from him, and he's kind of jealous that it was stolen from him, but then he realizes that maybe it was all for the, the best. Or you know? or if you want to go a little bit more of a Deep Space Nine bent with it, you get to the end where all this shit happens, and uh, Janeway has a conversation with him, and she's like, so, I mean, are you over it now? Are you happy? Are you happy that this wasn't you? And he's like, no. Because I don't know if it was, I I think it would still be worth it for yeah. me to do. Right. You know, like to to get to that point that he wants to get to, yep. to have him <clears throat> see what happened, but then reconcile the fact that it still would have been worth it for me to be the first one. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. It, and that's a 
It's a nice character moment for Paris to because I, I continuing from the the start. I do like this. I like trying to flesh out Paris seems to be a good idea to me. Like trying to get these characters into some sort of mindset that I can latch onto them as opposed to uh, Paris just being the helmsman of the show mm-hmm. who occasionally pops up. And I I like that jealousy angle, and I like that sort of drive that ties into the way that he was set up in Caretaker. It's just that he's trying to make amends with his past. He's trying to be somebody. He's trying to do yeah. the right thing. And I think that there's there's plenty of meat on that bone, including what we've said. Maybe this episode could have done at the same time. Did you enjoy learning that Tom Paris lost his virginity in his childhood bedroom? Another another which weird he, Braga line. <laughs> well, it's a good joke. Which from he the, spent the doctor though. spent most of his time at. In a, alone growing up and then he's like I've spent most of my time alone and I once had sex here <laughs> I, even the, the doctors I'll be sure to put that in your file I thought it was yes. kind of a funny, of a funny yeah joint. the doctor the doctor's really interesting in this one because he's weird like, he's, he's, he's weird, weird. yeah he's weird but I don't think he's out of character because like he his the whole his whole point is that he's kind of uh unflappable when it comes to this stuff yeah um but it does it does kind of present a weird like i think i think it would have been more interesting to play him as more fascinated by what was going on Mm -hmm. you know uh instead of just sort of stoic and whatnot so that if you have Kess being like what the fuck is going on with this guy and he's like i don't know but it's really interesting isn't it you know that kind of thing (laughs) right yeah yeah I I i think there's i think there's so much meat here Yes. Um, but I don't know if it was just budgetary or blah, you know, I don't know what, what it was, but it clearly, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the soup didn't come out the way that the picture looked on the recipe book. Let's put no, it that no, it didn't. I, I, but I still, you know, I still think it's kind of a fascinating episode, really. It's like, yeah. it's, it's interesting in what it's trying to do. I, I think it, what, what goes wrong with it is that it is a case of, it's one of those, it's tough to imagine that the script gets written this way, but it's it's one of those that feels like it's building to something and then they're just not sure how to end it. So you have to kind of like clumsily rewrite the middle to start you moving in this direction that you get to the end that yeah. is nonsense yeah. at that point. Because like you were talking about the doctor, it's just this weird stretch of events that happens where he's like, the cure is I'll stay here in sickbay with Cass and watch you over camera as you're in engineering yeah. getting yeah. a dose of this stuff. And then he, you know, he breaks away or whatever gets away from it. But it's just this weird uh, plot beat after plot beat that you have to get to this strange ending that is where you need the show to end. Yeah, and I mean, also, it's the kind of thing too where it's like I feel like mainly because there is not a lot of character stuff going on outside of Paris in this episode. Like yep. it's pretty much all on him, and there's not really a, a B plot. You, it kind of ends where it has to end. I feel like you need to see this through to the end. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's going to be even. It's going to be incredibly underwhelming and like not even worth your time. You know, unless unless because like, what's the other option? Is you pull back before it gets too weird, and then then what? Who gives yeah, a then, shit? Then who you know? cares? Yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I mean, I, this is one of many directions they could have gone. <laughs> to go that final ending but like you know like i was i was working i'm working on something right now where um i'm I'm writing it with somebody else and we had we have this one big thing that happens towards the end and then we had another bigger thing and i was like i don't know do we really need this bigger thing and then we were both like "Ah, you kind of have to we we kind of set it up 
as to have this bigger thing be the the ultimate ending. Yeah. And so if you don't do it, it's going to feel like a real letdown. Yeah. Like you, a little bit you, of you blue know. balls in the storytelling there. <clears throat> yeah. There's a, a screen a screenplay podcast that I listened to that that did a really nice. Uh, a really interesting episode called uh, "Everything That Can Happen Should Happen." Yeah, and uh, I may have mentioned this before in one of the various shows, but it, it's it, it was something I had never really thought about. But it, it, the way that the guy broke it down was like, you know, you need to wring everything you can out of these ideas, and so if it's a possibility that X could happen, you should probably do that, or at least explore that that avenue in, in the story. Yeah. <clears throat> And with this one, it's I think they need I think they needed to push it as far as they could in order to get anything out of the out of the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we want to go to patron thoughts then? I guess, and we'll see if the patrons will give us anything we can go off of before our sure. final idea. My, my one other thing is: sure. is it not crazy that the shuttles can go warp ten? It is crazy. I. <laughs> I was wondering if that was too too far to bring up, but I was like, "Why is the shuttle so fast? Why, why is this possible for this thing to why go so can, fast?" Can can shuttles? I didn't even realize shuttles could go warp at all. These are new shuttles. I was looking down memory alpha. This is a new kind of shuttle that they've built, apparently, and it's it's not a traditional shuttle which cannot go warp speed. Ah, uh, okay, sure. They don't spend a lot of time <laughs> on that, but that's why they call it the um the Cochrane they, is the name of it. Oh, okay. And they 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 apparently have like 120 of them on the ship. So yeah, well they they run the simulation in the. <laughs> well, the, no, I mean the, like the, it's, the it's been a running off. it's been a running joke that they just keep losing yeah. shuttles. Yeah. So I, I assume this is the special got, one. This is the this is the very special shuttle. Yeah. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you guys enjoyed the content today, you can go there, support the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. There are extra podcasts. You get to vote on things. You get to have secret access to all the special links and whatnot. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. And if you go there, you can also leave comments on upcoming episodes and we read them on the show. Let's go with Kyle Barrett for Threshold first. I don't know. Let me actually click into what the hell. I'll pull up your little screen. There we go. Kyle Barrett says, I don't know where Brandon Braga gets his ideas from, but I wish he'd stop fucking going there. This episode gets progressively <laughs> worse, and the infamous final minutes are among the worst Star Trek has to offer, but I'd argue the beginning isn't without without merit. Paris's obsession with should be more in focus. That one scene between him and Janeway is genuinely great, but then he just grows steadily insane and uninteresting. There could have been some kind of cool, Lovecraftian, unknowable cosmic horror behind the veil of the Warp 10 barrier, but due to combined lack of imagination and budget, all we get are salamanders fucking. Breaking such a fundamental law in the franchise is reaping, reaching Warp 10. Probably shouldn't be attempted by a writer, but perhaps that was the point that Braga was trying to make in a meta way, with m- him being the horny, mutated lizard guy all along. Two <laughs> out of five. Yeah, it's really strange that for something that you know I didn't realize was a, a rule, big ten- a rule. It is really strange that that they do it with a shuttlecraft on fucking Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's that was actually. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I was surprised by that because I hadn't seen this one in a long time, and I was I was loading it up, and the question in my mind was, why is it only Paris that's affected by this? Because I had remembered Voyager going that speed, but it's not. He's alone in the shuttle, obviously. So, uh, this is Clef with the comment that I just sent you. An episode that goes down in history as the time Lizard Janeway had progeny, a non-canon warp ten never mentioned again. At least the makeup was nifty. Two out of five. 
No clever rating scale. I just can't believe they wrote this shit. Is it non-canon? Do they do they, do they kind of like retcon this out of existence? I don't think so. It was the first or is time it just non-canon because they never mention it again? A non-canon warp 10. Never mentioned again. I don't know. I would consider this canon. I don't know if there's a reason yeah. why it's not considered that. They all had a meeting and they decided that they should never talk about it ever never again. Ha- never happened. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe they come back and say he never actually reached it. Andrew Cholock says, "Threshold. This episode is a few tweaks away from greatness, but sadly, those tweaks never came. This is Voyager's random episodic storytelling at its worst, and it gives the worst mental image in the series history with Paris slash Janeway, horrified emoji, one merciful abandoned alien baby out of five. One. It was like five babies. Yeah, at least three. And the memory off is funny. The guys are talking about the effects work that they did to make the splash realistic when the babies jumped into the water. <laughs> one guy, there was one guy who missed the birth of his son. <laughs> this is to work on the splash effect of this fucking thing. <laughs> I'll read this next one. It's short. Tim Wahoo says, "Threshold, my favorite episode of Voyager after a year of hell. I give it five stars. Not everyone's cup of tea, but I feel like Wes will also rate it highly. We'll see." Next is coming to you, Clay. This is Wes Durlin with a comment about Threshold. Threshold. A few years ago, this episode made headlines because someone successfully pranked and poked fun at the poor peer review practices of a predatory scientific journal by summarizing the plot of this episode. Mm -hmm. They titled the paper, Rapid Genetic and Developmental Morphological Change Following Extreme Celerity. We thank the UFP for financial support. The authors also thank B. Braga for helpful insights. I'm wondering if this episode is so bad it's good, especially with the passage of time. I would say it does check Wes's box for would you show it to a friend? I love their perplexed reactions. Five vomited hearts (laughs) out of five. Yep. Yeah, those pure journal scams are uh, always very interesting to read about. I didn't realize that was something you could do. Because as I've said before, I wrote a bunch of papers in college that was just made up of like Judas Priest lyrics. Yeah. So I didn't know I could just do this on a <laughs> on an academically like professional scale. Yeah, you can get into some journal. There have been big organized things about people. Um, it's really done to sort of show how broken the peer review process is. Sure. Um, just because papers that use a lot of like mumbo jumbo and sort of hit on zeitgeisty topics like the one that recently happened is about like gender as a construct type stuff it was about it's just like it's it's writing incredibly insane things and it gets published in big papers and it's just because it's a kind of a politically popular uh, topic or Mm. whatever um west erlin you just read that changeling threshold what um i don't think this is how that works huh this is just dumb how i don't believe this of all the stupid things fine Whatever. Okay, done arguing with my wife. Now to watch Threshold. One crying in my bedroom, losing my virginity to a pepperoni pizza out of five. <laughs> you know, I will say, I think this is takes the cake on top of uh, more so than the 15-minute uh, uh, regeneration of Picard from a Borg. Yeah. As least, least believable physical recovery in Star Trek. Oh, yeah. I wonder, I wonder, I'm trying to think of uh, other examples here. The patrons and listeners will be able to fill us in. Where's someone? Yeah, Picard is a Borg is pretty good. Is there any? 
No, Worf breaks his back, and that's kind of like the whole episode. I'd be does Kira, Kira gets turned into a does she get turned into Cardassian or is that like a dream or something? No, she does, but that happens all the time. Uh, <clears throat> that, yeah, they, that's they true. alter people. Yeah, we saw in Strange New Worlds they get like a hypo spray that does that. Yeah, it'll, it'll it'll fix you right up in the future. Uh, did I read? I read Changeling, so I'm going to send this to you. It's Eric McGowan with his next comment. Threshold. I'm sure the other comments will point out the absurdities of this infamous episode. To me, the strangest part of Threshold is that for the first portion of the episode, it's not even that bad. Robert Duncan McNeil gives a good performance and the body horror stuff is decent. But then, of course, things go completely off the rails in the last 15 minutes. Insane to believe Braga genuinely wrote those last minutes and it wasn't just a troll job that slipped into the final draft. What's the weirdest thing about the ending to you? Um, <clears throat> I think I think that that they come back from it. Honestly, okay, <laughs> they just like have it's a not recovery. yeah, yeah. Like it's not really. I don't think it's that weird if that's the end. Is if they turn into slug monsters and then it's just like oh shit. All right, right well, see ya. Bye. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> just shoot them both in the head and fly away. <laughs> <laughs> But it's the fact that they that they have to bring them back that uh, really prevents it from being in any way meaningful as as something that happened. Yeah, where do you where do you put the babies? I I just see the babies as a totally bizarre thing to add into it. Like it, it adds nothing to right. anything, and it only. The the reason that it makes the ending seem a little bit strange is that it cascades into this final sequence where human and recovered Paris and Janeway are talking to each other, and it's just so divorced from reality as if they sh- that they shared this very strange, bizarre thing that happened to them. But they treat it like it's any other Star Trek mission that would happen, like that they met the Klingons or something. It's not. They don't even talk about it in a like, what the fuck was that? Like, how did that happen? They're yeah. they're very clinical, like clinical and scientific about it. And Jane is like, well, I, I hope that that you won't try anything like that again, Mister Paris. And he's like, I sure won't. It's it's it's, it's very weird, very weird. Well, the way the way Janeway says, I always thought I always thought about having children. She says it like she always thought about getting a dog or something. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like you just your entire physiological makeup was transformed into this evolved, <laughs> unevolved creature, and you gave birth to four b- babies of a new species that are still out there. <laughs> yep. and, you, and you're just like, well, I just never found the right pooch or never whatever. Found, you know, yeah. it's, it's very strange. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really <clears throat> weird. Uh, thank you. Eric Patrick Seba says, I thought I was special. Now only feel sad. Oh, sure, kid. Job's yours. The St. Armistad. Abduct, rape your boss, but she's not even cross. Medals made in Sweden, Stockholm, Guidad. Did I, did I, but she's not even cross. Did I even read that? I might have fucked that up. All ratings <laughs> at all times out of a Mobius strip. Thank you very much. I'm not very good at reading poetry out loud, I found. That's my problem. Point Extra G has this to say. Threshold. Establishing Warp 10 as the next big barrier to cross is a solid idea, and an episode about our characters striving towards that could be great. The way we see Paris and the others work towards that is solid television, and seeing them try to figure out what's happened to Tom is also pretty entertaining. Probably 80% of this episode is really quite good, 
but that's generous. <laughs> but all of <laughs> but all of that great lead up is forgotten in one of the most infamously bad endings in all of Star Trek. I just don't even know what to say about the salamander baby ending. I really wish that this episode could have had an ending that was as good as the rest of the episode. Where does this start falling apart for you, I guess, then? Um, Is it like, because I, I see minor mistakes made once Paris crosses the barrier. Like, yeah. at that point, he's in sick bay and there's these weird interactions with the doctor. But there's still really cool moments like his escape and, like, what's wrong with him and the body horror stuff. And so it, it kind of balances, but it's not purely good. And then to me, it just goes bad in the ending. Yeah, I think it's really unfocused um, after he gets back from the trip. Yeah. Because they do this thing where his body starts breaking down or whatever, and then he dies. Yep. And so he's like clinically dead, but then he is alive again. And then after that point, it's like, all right, I, I feel like they're just sort of doing weird stuff now. Yeah, sure. You know, it's I think it gets a little bit unfocused there, and that's sort of the 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 first red flag that it's kind of trending down. Yeah. Um, but I think it really gets gooey when uh, when he kidnaps Janeway. Like that's that's the point where I'm like, I don't really. If you're not going to go all the way with this, I don't know what you're going to do. And if you are going to go all the way with this, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I don't mean that in like a good way. Yep. Uh, it just feels like it's a it's a story dead end that they have to that they're going to have to walk their way out of, which is exactly what happens. Kensido says threshold. I don't understand the hate this episode receives. Sure, it's goofy as anything and doesn't make any sense, but at least I was entertained, which is more than I can say for early season two. Two out of five. Uh, this next one's quick. I won't even do it. Tax Bear says, Threshold, hey, it's the lizard sex episode. Janeway shagging Tom aside. How do they even simulate warp, warp 10 if it's not supposed, if it's supposedly not possible? It's a good question. That is a good question, yeah. How can you run that holodeck program to figure it out if it's not possible? I guess, I don't know. I guess you could argue that through like, theoretical science or something you could approximate it well i guess you could you could probably argue that they never actually do it on well do they do it on the holodeck he does right yes well he he never makes it to to oh no they do because after he talks to neelix yeah he gets the idea to do whatever they did with the shuttle yeah i was was gonna say that maybe the holodeck can just realistically pinpoint when the wings are gonna fall off of your shuttle going that fast but i guess they do get to warp 10 on it so never mind uh, this is Aaron Million. Hold on. I already copied it. There you go. Threshold. Instead of going negative on this episode, which is easy to do, <clears throat> excuse me, I will mention two things that I liked. One, the doctor's quips continue to be needed comic relief, such as remarking that Paris is lucky to be alive after drinking Neelix's coffee. And two, the scene in Paris's quarters with Janeway. It reminded me of the scene from The Immunity Syndrome when Kirk has to tell McCoy that he has chosen Spock over him to pilot the shuttle. Mm, Unfortunately, yeah. this episode really went off the rails at the end. One bad <laughs> cup of coffee out of five. As a patron on the TOS uh, train, and that's true. It does. It is kind of like that Immunity Syndrome scene. 
Uh, Grapple John Zorn says, I say unironically that this is my absolute favorite episode of Voyager. I would rather watch (laughs) Threshold than wade through any of the 160-odd tributes to mediocrity that are the bulk of Voyager's run. It is a symphony of suckage, a novella of nonsense, a concerto of cringe, and a manifesto of manure. I bathe in its glory. Six (laughs) hate-fuck watch parties out of five. (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't... I understand... You know, I I I don't necessarily disagree with that because yeah. I feel like they're actually trying to do something. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Uh, clearly, they they don't pull it off, but it's I'm more impressed and more uh, interested that they tried than uh, than anything else. Well, there was one review I was reading that kind of made my point for me, which is that they're like they're like threshold is one is a really bad episode of season two of star trek voyager it's like it might even be worse than elogium and i read that and i was like which one is elogium (laughs) (laughs) so uh, that kind of makes my point is that you don't forget threshold really for like it's a strange weird thing it's not bad in the sense of it's one of these forgettable voyager episodes that i can't remember even though we probably watched it five weeks ago you know yeah yeah uh, this last one is Matt Ross. I just sent it to you. Threshold. Okay, I like some of the ideas here. Making a faster warp. The idea of be the idea of being everywhere in some sort of dimensional travel concept. But that lizard thing that launched hundreds of memes and derision. Well, that's probably well deserved. And what about the lizard babies? What happens to them? Was this episode made to end the idea that Paris and Janeway would have a relationship? To what the hell? To what the hell is ats out of five? Mm-hmm. Is that is that something that they were they were toying with Paris and Janeway? I don't feel no. I, I get more Chicote vibes. Chicote and Janeway yeah, seem to be a thing. Yeah. I guess uh, Paris is the the sexy bad boy though that maybe would <laughs> convince Janeway to break her prime directive. Does it is it surprising to you that a season and a half into this they haven't really paired anybody off yeah, yet? It is surprising. Like the closest. I mean, obviously. Kess and Neelix, but they, you know, came as a uh, as a as a right. couple, and the, nothing developed the, from that. Right. Yeah. The closest we get is that the awful uh, Tom Paris stuff. Yep. Um, which nice callback in this though, when he was losing his mind, he's like, "Kiss me," and the doctor's like, "I don't think," and he's like, "No, kiss." <laughs> yeah. Even even there, I was genuine. Like I um. I seem to be ultra effective by actors pretending that they can't breathe. I get like my heart starts beating a little bit when that when that oh, yeah. stuff goes on. I don't know. I don't know what it he is. Might, he must have been like hyperventilating or something after doing a couple takes of that. Yeah, that's uh, it's tough to do. And I thought the doctor in that in that scene was good. I don't I don't know what his solution was. Why he knew what he had to do to make him be able to breathe again. That didn't really make much sense to me. But who cares? That's it, patrons. Thanks very much for leaving your thoughts about threshold. patreoncom slash foul. All right, Clay, the moment of truth comes for us. Where does this one fit on our scale of one to five? Uh, I mean, I I don't know. It's tough because I, I agree with all the things you said, that it's like, yeah, it's bad, but it's a memorable bad in a way that the other ones aren't. Um, like, I feel like... Um, I feel like I kind of have to give it a one, but yeah, 
I, I, it makes me feel bad about other ones that I gave a two. <laughs> right. You know that I, that I would I would much rather watch this again than most of the ones that I've given a two. Yeah. Yep. But like I don't know. On principle, I think it's got to be a one. Okay. Yeah. I I think that the intro is strong enough uh, to give this a two. Really. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to go high and say this is a four or yeah. five. But I I think there's a there's enough intentional meat on the bone that maybe this is just the way that Voyager is going to be. Like a lot of patron comments have been about this is like Voyager will occasionally make you think it's going to do something and then it just doesn't do what, sure, what sure. that's going to be. And this might be like a harbinger of that kind of thing, except taken to its worst extreme. But I, outside of the bizarre cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs ending, I think there's a lot of weird unsettling stuff early on. I think that Paris's story is fairly a decent story to tell about Paris. I think that the breaking the warp 10 barrier is kind of a neat concept to move beyond this this curtain of like hidden evil that might exist back there or yeah. whatever's going on. And then it all just has a weird ending. But leading up to that point, it was kind of neat. So I'll give it a two. It's just it's a failure of an episode, but it's not one of the worst. You know, I, I you've convinced me. I think this deserves a two. Okay. Because I, I can in good conscience say this is worse than some of the other ones that I've rated a two because it's really not. There's more more interesting stuff going on. Yeah. I would I would – Maybe that's a good point. Like outside of the ending, I feel that this is in lo- this is a more interesting version of what the season has done so far. You know, mm-hmm. it, it has mm-hmm. kind of just a memorable plot line, but it's it's executed the same. So sure, that's it. Thanks everybody for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash Lipensky file. All the shows are there that we're covering on the Patreon anyway, and then all the other stuff is on the Star Trek podcast feed. It's on YouTube. Blah blah blah. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? I don't think so. Uh, what's the King movie? The what? Where are we in? We're in September right now. September. Although no, this is probably out in October. Oh, so October. Never mind. Yeah. Well, September would have been Firestarter, and uh, I can't tell you what October is because I don't know yet. Oh. Given when we've recorded this, because we haven't picked it yet. But uh, Firestarter, the original Firestarter, not the awful remake that just came out. <clears throat> okay, that one was bad. There's only three left, right? You have October, November, December. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think our options are well. One, one December is going to be yeah. it, the nineteen ninety it, and I think the other two are Children of the Corn, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't remember what the other one is. I don't remember either. I remember Children of the Corn and it, but it'll be a, it'll be a wild card, I guess. Well, give me two. Actually, I can look it up really quick. Firestarter is the one that's coming out. And what did you say came out? Oh, September is Firestarter. That's what you were September's saying. September is Firestarter. August was Sometimes They Come Back, which was kind of a drag for mm-hmm. me. For me, anyway, mm-hmm. I was not a fan. Um, <clears throat> so it's It, uh, Children of the Corn, and oh, Children of the Corn, Pet Cemetery are the other two oh. aside from It. So going out, I think we're going to be going out pretty strong. Is Pet Cemetery not a very good movie? Uh, it's a lot of people, it's, it's a movie. I think the thing with a lot of these Stephen King movies is, uh, at least the ones that are more uh, the second tier, the second string as, as we call it. Yeah. I think a lot of them have their fans, but they are fans who saw them when they were young. Sure. And so they work better. Yep. Like I'm really interested to see how 1990 it plays because like that's like a that's like a a milestone movie for me 
yes. horror movie that I watched as a child, which may or may not hold up. Probably won't, frankly. Yep. Um, but Salem's uh, Pet Cemetery, I think, is one of those where I think a lot of people saw it when they were young and it freaked freaked the hell out of them. Mm. But I remember watching it more or less for the first time, I don't know, five or six years ago and thinking it wasn't that great. So yeah. it's got, It led to a great Ramon song. So. <laughs> and... And stars uh, Denise Crosby. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I knew yeah. that. I need you to remind me of it, but I think I knew that. Yeah. Does it star her, or is she just in it? Uh, she is the wife she's in the, the movie, wife. so she's the second second build lead, I think. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm less familiar with Pet Cemetery than I, I thought I was. Is, was is Cujo? Cujo is not on the list. Cujo was on the list, but we switched it out for Firestarter because Amanda and I agreed that we didn't feel like watching an hour and a half of a poor dog going nuts and being killed. Oh, Cujo's so. one, of my, one of my favorite Stephen King stories. So I like yeah, that. I mean it's good. It's a good story, but I don't know. I just didn't. I I I if I had the option to, I'd prefer to just watch something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You found your true horror. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Patreon.com slash The Penske File. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week with Meld. And that is a Tuvok episode, if I remember correctly. So we'll be up for our good friend, Tuvok. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you later.